0: ESPN 1420, ESPN1420.com and the ESPN 1420 app. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show. Coming at you on a Monday morning. Joining me now, as promised, a uh, fine graduate from the Loyola University of New Orleans. Got to lead with that. That's the most important thing. But um, according to Will McLaren, he's the world's greatest real-life Tetris player. He is Andrew (laughs) Lopez, NBA insider and reporter for ESPN uh, on the beat covering the Pelicans for ESPN and other NBA teams as well. Yesterday he was covering the Sixers Hawks game, the first game of that series, a lot of NBA to chat about Andrew. Good morning, man. Welcome in.
1: Hey man, I'm uh, glad to be here. And uh, once again, uh, you know, it's always nice to talk to a fellow alum of, of the great Loyola University, New
0: Orleans. That's right. We got it. We got to rep hard uh, every now and then someone will be like, well, did they even like have sports in your school? I'm like, yeah, NAIA, right? I mean I used to pack the recplex with like, you know, twenty other people and get obnoxious and loud. But yeah, they did. And maybe I would at halftime go in the gym and work out and from the other side of the glass catch the third quarter. <laughs> you know, that's the things I did when I was at Loyola. But I made it work. Gave it a multitask,
1: you know? Hey man, I I tell you what, it, it's it's a lot nicer in there. I don't know the last time you've seen it, but there's like permanent seating in there now.
0: Uh, it's been a while. I can't lie, it's been it's been a while. Uh, I just I
1: rolling rolling bleachers out. Baseball made the national tournament this year. I mean things things are on the up and up. Go, uh, Brett Simpson's got it. Uh. You got things rolling over
0: there. That's good stuff, man. See, when I was when I graduated there, I, I was a little ahead of you. Like they they didn't they weren't even giving athletic scholarships out yet, and then they started giving out. That was out
1: my of, first year. That yeah. might have been my first or second years when they brought it back. Yeah,
0: so um, that that obviously helps a little bit. But you know what? Uh, great school, great journalism school, and uh, you are out there doing your thing covering the NBA. So let's let's dig let's dig into. Um, I guess. Well, let me start with this. I don't want to spend. A lot of time on the Lakers, but I know there's some listeners that want to hear about them and the Knicks and a few teams that were eliminated. Were you surprised at all that the Lakers got bounced in the first round? Because that really wasn't.
1: I mean, I was surprised. I mean, after AD got injured, I wasn't surprised. Like if you would have told me, uh, you know, at the start of the playoffs, hey, they're going to get bounced in six and they're going to be up two-one and lose the last three, I'd have had some questions for you. (laughs) You know, I mean. It, it, everything in that series was going to depend on LeBron's ankle for one. he Obviously he said he's not going to be a hundred percent the rest of the season, but you know, but I mean, A.B.'s injuries, obviously the knee was hurt, but once, you know, if, you, if you're rushing back from that or if you're not doing your rehab properly, and I, I think it was more of him rushing back to be clear. Uh, if you're rushing back from that type of injury, you know, it, it's, it's going to start a chain and other things are going to get hurt. And obviously he hurts growing and, and that was a thing where he couldn't move laterally, and that that took a lot out of them, man. Um, so once once AD went down, no, not surprised at all. Now you could, I could have, you could have made the argument to me that you would have thought Suns at seven maybe uh, from the start of the series, and not a lot of people picked that, but definitely could have seen that as a uh, as an option. But you know, I think everything kind of just went went south with the. Uh,
0: the injuries. Yeah, once Ad got hurt, but like to me, that's that's a big thing I've been I've been harping on. It's like in this season, and you you touched on this when I talked to you on the show. Maybe it was back in late January. The Pelicans were coming off one of their they they had some pretty atrocious performances in the season, but this was when they went to Minnesota and I think lost by thirty. And mm-hmm. and you we were in agreement. Like that's that's kind of a a, a season low. You just can't do that. But you're like, look. This isn't an excuse. I'm just pointing out it was the end of a 14-day road trip in a season that's unlike any other one where they're isolated at their hotel. They're not able to socialize. It's the end of a long road trip, which can be somewhat depressing. And on top of that, they're having to get tested early in the morning on days of game days, on days they might have off. So, like, the rigorous schedule can just mentally fatigue and physically fatigue a team. So when this postseason started, I'm like, look – You crunch 72 games into the tight time frame that this NBA season was, you couple that with the abnormality of the testing and all the other, just basically just lack of time away from the court. It's, to me, this postseason, more than any other, is really who can finish the marathon because you're seeing it, right? I mean, Harden's not playing tonight. Embiid's you know, dealing with an injury. Donovan Mitchell's playing now, but he's been battling. Chris Paul battling. AD's injury referenced it. This postseason, because of the season we just went through, to me, feels a lot more like a marathon than the bubble did last year. The bubble was unique, but this thing is a carryover from an entire season that piggybacked off, you know, the oddity of the bubble. Whoever can stay healthy, I think, is ultimately going to win the Larry O'Brien.
1: Yeah, I mean, when you go back and, you know, I know some people have made the you know, the, the Lakers and the Heat, both who got knocked out in the first round, both of those teams have basically 70, 70 days off between the end of the regular – the end of the – you know, when the Lakers won the title and, um, you know, the, star the, of the start of the, the, the 2021 season. Mm-hmm. So, it, it, it's going to be that, obviously. Uh, it, it's, you know, we health is going to be an issue. Health is always, I think, an issue uh, one way or another in, you know, in the playoffs. You can go back and even you know, just look at the Warriors run. Like, the, the Warriors run may not even start if, you know, Kyrie and Kevin Love are are, are healthy, and, you know, for that Cavs push. So, it it always plays, I think, a little bit of a role. And obviously, you still have to be good. I mean, that's, that's obviously, you know, a huge part of it. But, you know, like, let's look at Denver right now. Like, I, I would think Denver would be the prohibitive favorite in the Western Conference if they had Jamal Murray. You know, he's out. Who is going to be able to make it through uh, is going to be key, and it's uh, you know health is like health is going to be uh, be be a thing for sure.
0: You know, Atlanta, Philly. You uh, you covered that game yesterday. Before we dig into it, Atlanta's. Series win over the Knicks. I thought Knicks fans were cute getting, you know, celebrating like they won a Super Bowl and they won one game. But it (laughs) to me – we want Brooklyn champs?
1: Right, right. uh, I know.
0: After a a single game. To to tie it,
1: not even to –
0: To tie the series. Not even
1: to take the lead (laughs) in the series, yeah. I mean,
0: the thing is, like, I do think it's it's good when they're good. But it also was, like, everything about it – the Knicks are back. I'm like, they really are because, one, they got – they got upstaged by a young star at their own place who, like, ate it up. So that's, that's typical Knicks, right? And two, they, they get the preferential special treatment. And I get it. It's the Knicks. It's going to happen. But you got to admit, if that was Sacramento that had Tom Thibodeau and, you know, the core of their team were older players that all played an abundance of minutes this season, nobody would be saying the foundation is built. Like, you wouldn't get that with the Kings because they're not in New York. They're not a major market. There is some, like, false bravado about the Knicks. I don't even mind it. Like, I I, I, I find it – some people get annoyed by it. I, am, I kind of, in a weird way, find it charming. But to me, when I would hear the Knicks are back, I'm like, you're right, but not for the reasons you guys are saying. The Knicks are – I mean, when you talk
1: about the foundation, I find it hard to to look at the 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 foundation – I mean I think it it's, it some of the pieces are there but like you need another building block next to Julius Randle that's for sure. I mean if you look at the the foundation or, I mean the, is the found the foundation is basically Julius Randle uh RJ Barrett is, is not I mean he's, he is a good basketball player this year so he took a step up quickly. I mean uh, everything else I mean D Rose is 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 32. Yeah. Josh Gibson's up there in age. I mean they I mean I I guess you still have you you got Mitch, you got Julius, you got quickly, um RJ, so maybe a little bit is there, but I, I just think it was look, like, I, I it is always nice when when the Knicks are good just because of the crowds in Madison Square Garden, the you know the, the the fever pitch around New York basketball, I think is just good for uh for the NBA. But I, I I don't know if I'd say like the foundation is set for years to come. I mean, you still. I mean, I'm I, I'm I'm pretty sure there's a portion in New York that was ready to turn on Julius Randle after that series. So, right. Uh, right. if that's one of your foundational pieces, and have you know, you know you know what I'm saying, so they need some more. And I think they'll they'll be the team who, who could be in the market right now for you know maybe if one of these stars becomes disgruntled and decides to ask out at the end of the year, you know maybe maybe that's you know a, a prime spot they have cap space, uh, you know, Alonzo Ball could be an option for them or something like that. So still still a lot to go in New York, but it was nice to see them claw their way and, you know, earn that fourth seed in the East.
0: ESPN NBA reporter Andrew Lopez, our guest. It's ESPN 1420, great Scott show. Well, that I guess that's kind of my question you mentioned about a star because the, 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 the stain of the Knicks or the, the reality versus – you know the perception was they're going to get a star. They've been saying it for years. I mean, you you had to cover it when Zion said, "I love playing at Madison Square Garden." Um, but the 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 stink of the Knicks was that James Dolan was kind of one reason that they weren't able to draw the stars that they thought they could. Does uh, one win in the postseason change any of that? Like, is suddenly are the Knicks suddenly a free agent destination, or is this more in your in your opinion? Is this more or less what we've seen the last couple of years? Has something changed drastically to where now they, you know, all this hoopla of they're going to get this guy or that guy. Is that really going to start becoming a reality because they had, you know, their first playoff win in eight years?
1: I think the thing that, that, that stands out to me is the, there's more of a, a set culture there now, right? It, it's, you know, you you have your identity. Tibbs is going to play defense. You're going to, you know, be a slow-paced team. You, you you have that set, and I think that's the most important thing in the NBA. Almost entirely, every every time, you know, winning is what cures all. Winning in superstars, right? And part of the reason the Knicks thought they could just draw anybody, they wanted, but they'd never turn around and go twenty-one and sixty-one, and they would be terrible. And it was, and it's hard to draw that way, you know. And it's hard, you know. In New York is a place where you're going to get a lot of. Uh, scrutiny, and, and, you know, it's, it's, it's hard for these guys to play against in, in, in New York at times, but when you're winning, things are a lot easier. And When you're winning and when you establish a culture and when you look like you have foundational pieces, then that becomes easier to go to. I'm still not going to believe it until somebody actually goes there, um, but I think now once you start the winning, you have a little bit better chance than, than, than anything else. Of uh, of starting to to lay that uh, lay that foundation to in order for you to start getting some of these pieces.
0: ESPN fourteen twenty and dot com. I am Scott that We're visiting with Andrew Lopez, ESPN NBA reporter. The Atlanta Hawks beat the Sixers yesterday. You were writing about that, covering that game. Trey Young dropped thirty five. Embiid uh, injured or not, thirty nine. Strong performance from him. Trey Young. I mean this this postseason feels like his. Um, I don't want to say, like, he hasn't been a star. He has, but sort of his introduction to the masses in a big way, playing the Knicks had something to do with that. I love how he uh, reacted to the Knicks crowd. But he's just – he's having his moment right now, Andrew. And, And in terms of the Hawks, we were talking earlier about that grind of this season and teams that had to play in the bubble last year. I mean, Atlanta's season, they won 20 games last year. They were, what, 20 and 47? They didn't even get to the bubble. So they did have an extended offseason aside from you know um, glorified practices. But like for this team, in one offseason to go from twenty and forty seven to up one game to nothing in the quarterfinals of the NBA playoffs, what, are, what did they do? I'm, I'm turning the Hawks question into a Pelicans question. What can the Pelicans learn from the Hawks?
1: Well, first thing, let's, let's you know this has been Trey Young coming. Trey Young's coming out party. You know, everybody's known about him. But this is, the, the, you know, same thing with Devin Booker. They were empty stats guys who, who people thought, you know, couldn't win in their respective towns. And all of a sudden, you know, both of their teams are in the, the conference semifinals now uh, with them leading the way. Obviously, Chris Paul has a little bit to do with Phoenix, but Trey's done a, uh, you know, a huge job. First player in Atlanta, franchise history to get 35 and 10, 35 points, 10 assists in a playoff game. First person since uh, only – he is only the second person in NBA history, all of NBA history, to have at least 30 points in each of his first four road games. The only other player to do that in NBA history uh, is Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. He did that back uh, in his rookie season when he was Lou Alcindor. So Trey is doing historical stuff. It takes opportunity, and it takes the right amount of players and pieces um, on your roster. That's the key here. Uh, you know, for the Pelicans to make that sort of jump, they need shooting. They need shooting around uh, around Zion. The, the Hawks have guys who can make shots at every spot except for center where they have Clint Capella, but everybody else on the floor can hit shots. Everybody else can space the floor. Yeah. When you take Capella out, you go to Okongwu, he's kind of the same build as, uh, as Capella is. You, you play the same way. John Collins has uh, opened himself up as a three-point threat. They're both lob threats. You, you have to complement your SAR. And, and that's what Atlanta has done. Um, they, have, they have changed kind of the way they, that Trey plays a little bit. You know, before Trey was very, very dependent on that long three, trying to be Steph Curry. Now he is, he, he's deadly with that floater. He had the most floaters in the NBA this season. You have to build your team around your star player's best skill set. I don't think the Pelicans were built that way this past year. That's why you've heard David Griffin talk several times now about how they need uh, to get shooting and more defense around Z. And if you do that, then you know maybe the Pelicans can put themselves into that conversation next year.
0: More on the Pel's in a minute. Atlanta, Philly. Y- you know, watching that game unfold yesterday, seeing the Hawks. You know, obviously the road isn't a problem for him this postseason. What uh, what do you see shaking out here? What's to, in your mind, kind of the biggest storyline to keep an eye on as this series progresses? It's it's going to be
1: if, if Embiid stays healthy. Um, obviously he came in with a torn meniscus, um, the small tear in his, meniscus, in his meniscus, I should say, not exactly a you know a full blown tear that was was going to require surgery. So. Uh, the fact that he was able to kind of still put up, I think 38-9 or whatever he did was huge. The, the It's going to also be the way they are covering Trey. In the first half yesterday, they covered him by basically drop coverage, going under screens, and it allowed him to feast in the pick and roll and get whatever he wanted. He had 25-7, I think, in the first half. He finished with 35-10. and That tells you, They made some adjustments in the second half. Danny Green was on him for a huge chunk of the first half. Uh, Ben Simmons and Matisse Stiebel drew that uh, assignment in the second half, and things slowed down. Uh, If if they play more that way and and Philly protects the ball, then I think Philly is going to be in a lot better uh, spot uh, the rest of the series.
0: Andrew Lopez, our guest, ESPN 1420. The Clippers – you know, the the road court advantage ended yesterday. They beat the uh, the Mavs by 15. Uh, Clippers are a team that, from the outside, I i have, i have question sometimes their chemistry. Now, I'm not there every day. I'm not there in person. That's just me sitting on my butt, you know, and a lazy boy watching them. But, um, but they got it done, right? They got to the second round. I was reminded of a series. Granted, it was a five-game series, but a first-round series between Dallas and Houston back, I think, in 04 or 05 uh, maybe 04, where it was like the road team was, maybe 05. I don't know. The road team won every game until the decisive, you know, final game. Then the home team ran away with it. Similar things shook out um, yesterday. Now the Clippers get ready for Utah. Now that game's not till tomorrow night. Jazz are the team I picked to get to the finals in the West, and I don't need to go over all the reasons why my listeners have heard it. Most of them did not agree with me. But uh, what are your thoughts on the Clippers Jazz series?
1: Look, uh, I'm gonna go ahead and disagree with you because I think the Clippers might be my favorite right now wow. to get out the West. Um, I, I, I felt like they were, you know, they're in a really, really tough series um, against Dallas, and once they turned it around, I just really liked what they did there. They, it, it, you know, it, it's when you have a Kawhi and a Paul George, and you have some of those other guys stepping up. I, I just, I want to see it from Utah in a, in a full seven-game series. Um, Kawhi, Kawhi just morphed into a different guy in, in these two closeout games where Dallas had a chance to put them away, and, and they couldn't do anything. of that Kawhi continues to show up, that's the Kawhi who led Toronto to an NBA championship, right? That's the guy who, you know, for a while looked like he took over the, the, the mantle of best NBA player in the world uh, because nobody can go, uh, go at it, I think, on, on both ends of the floor – and mix the shot making with the shot, uh, you know, with the defensive ability the way he can, and for 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 me, that's that's what I lean on when I get into the playoffs and I see equal teams. I, more often than not, I'm going to lean to the team with who has the best player right now. Who has the best player? And I think that's in this series uh, is, is going to be Kawhi. You know, if Donovan Mitchell is 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 completely healthy, which we you know not sure where he is right now that's one thing if if they go to this small ball lineup again against the jazz without Zubak on the floor and you're playing Batum at the center against Rudy Gobert I, I, I think that can change a lot of different things for uh for the clippers too so it's going to be a fun series man but just like you know it, it started over the weekend in the east with bucks nets um and and the Sixers and the Hawks. It's going to continue here in the West with the Suns and the Nuggets, and then the Clippers and the Jazz. I mean, all four of these series, very, very good. All, all. I mean, you could you can make the argument. Yeah, seven of these teams could win the NBA title.
0: Yeah, I mean, I mean and and I think you know, <laughs> yes, because we're going to have we're, look. Regardless, we're going to have new blood. I mean, you're going to see a, a new champion for the first time in your life. Um, if the Sixers win, I I don't remember seeing them. You know, I was, I was like, you know, barely walking. I was probably just getting out of diapers when they won their last one, but you've got, you, you're either going to have a champion that it's, it's been a while, you know, either 40 plus years, give or take 38 or more, or you're going to have a brand new champion. Um, good or bad for the league, Andrew, this is a, a, a topic that many, a debate topic many have had.
1: Uh, to me, it's good. I mean, to me, it's good. I mean, you can still, in, in theory, if you're the league, you could still end up with a New York-Los Angeles finals if the Clippers and the Nets get there. you Brooklyn and the Clippers. So you would get that. I mean, it's always good to me to start establishing new stars and start establishing new uh, you know faces of the league. And obviously, you know, Luke is out, which means there's going to be somebody who wins a championship either for the first time or since 1983 or 1971 or whatever it is. And I think five of the teams left have not won an NBA championship. That's right. Right now, in, in the other yeah, the Hawks are eighty three, the Bucks are seventy one, and, the, and the, uh, the Sixers are eighty three, Bucks are seventy one, Hawks are fifty eight. So, and then the other five have not won. To me, that's good. That's good for basketball. And it's going to be another situation where there's a, a fourth straight year where there's a different NBA champion. I I'm not going to call it parity because there's still obviously a lot of big names and them on big teams, but. Anytime you can have four different champions in four consecutive years, uh, I think that's good for business.
0: Andrew Lopez, ESPN NBA reporter, our guest right now. We're going to take a quick timeout. When we come back, we'll get his thoughts on the series uh, that begin. uh, Well, one begins tonight, Denver-Phoenix. The other, one game in, Brooklyn-Milwaukee. Then uh, some quick thoughts on the Pelicans and what's facing them this offseason. That's coming your way next. Great Scott show. I'm Scott Prather. Don't go anywhere. It's ESPN 1420. All right, welcome back into the Great Scott Show, the Great Sports Callers Open Think Tank. I'm Scott Prather coming at you on a Monday. Uh, just to give you guys a heads up, we'll visit with Glenn Gilbo. Uh, coming up in a little while, the to Gannett to Talk, LSU baseball, Paul Maneri, the Tigers from the Eugene region, or what unfolded over there. Uh, we will also talk to a national champion head coach, uh, Jeff Willis, LSU-E. They won a seventh national title, Uh best junior college baseball team in the country consistently. And we'll visit with him just for a few minutes at the uh, back end of the eight o'clock hour. We'll also have some open phone lines after we visit with Glenn, but continuing our conversation, focusing on the NBA this hour is our uh, guest, Andrew Lopez, NBA reporter for ESPN. He covers the Pelicans quite a bit. They're not in the postseason. I don't know if you guys heard, but uh, he's covering uh, the Hawks, Sixers and uh, following all the other action as well. If you're not following him on Twitter, what are you waiting for? Uh, it is at underscore Andrew underscore Lopez. He's got the blue check mark over twenty two thousand followers. Go be one of them, Andrew. Tonight, Milwaukee at Brooklyn. Um, you know, I I'm I'm not speaking for myself, only the Pelicans fans. But you see, when the Lakers are losing, there's plenty of uh, gloating and piling on because you know they a lot of them, not all, a lot of them feel a certain way about Anthony Davis. Drew Holiday is a guy that went to management and said hey, I'd like to go to a contender. I don't think I'm part of your long-term plans. Can you make it happen? They did, and um, whenever the Bucs are playing, it's like my timeline is full of Pelicans fans rooting really hard for the Bucs just because they're rooting really hard for Drew Holiday, one of the more beloved guys in the history of the franchise, maybe the most beloved if you get right down to it. Did the Bucks stand a chance against the Nets? Is this, is this a, a must-win tonight for them or the fact that you know, it's still a, a a home road series, if you will, that even if they lose tonight, they're still right there in the mix.
1: Yeah, it's still a home road series. I don't think it's necessarily a must win, but you would obviously like to get another one, especially if James Harden is not going to be on the floor, right? Uh, which he will not tonight. So uh, maybe going into it now, you can adjust your entire game plan. You don't go into it thinking one thing and then two minutes into the game, 45 seconds into the game, honestly, things change. So I think that's a... That's a plus for you if you're Milwaukee, but big thing for me for 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 this one is is going to be if they can, uh, they're going to have to knock down their shots. That's the biggest key. They are a team who they they were just ice ice cold in game one. They hit any of those shots, and I think it's a different story. If they can get in there and steal one, I still like their chances uh, moving
0: forward. All right, and then Phoenix, Denver, man. Um... You know, I I Ryan Bowen's a good guy, and um, you know been on the show. So there's part of me personally that's like, okay, you know Denver Nuggets fan base never really had it, you know. But then I look at Phoenix, and I just, man, I uh, <laughs> I see I see Monty Williams, and I'm like, God, dog, like how can you not root for this guy with what he's been through? And you know, I every time I see Chris Paul, I just I get nostalgic. Um, I can't help it. I don't know. I, I I kind of like I kind of like both teams, and for for different reasons. But I also think this series has a good chance to go seven games. Do you see it being as competitive as I do?
1: Yeah, no. I think I think that's kind of like a requirement for for most Nuggets series now. Even though they got out in six in the first one, they are a very very tough team. Who uh, they're gonna they're gonna have their games. They're gonna have up and downs. Jokic is going to be in a situation where. Um, he 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 may have one bad game, but he's going to have five or six really, really, really good ones. And uh, the Suns, obviously, a very, very tough team. If 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 Chris Paul's shoulder uh, has gotten the time to rest and heal, they're obviously a much different team, a much more uh, uh, a team who can who can play a lot a lot better. Obviously, they knocked off the Lakers three games in a row. AD's health or not, so to me, that's still a a big thing. Um, I think both of those teams are, are are really set up and really think that. You know, they probably have a path to trying to get to the NBA finals. And I think that's going to, you know, just pull out the competitive juices of uh, both of them.
0: Final question, Andrew, on the Pels. In your mind, talking to David Griffin, covering this team, watching them, some might say Lonzo Ball, others might say another free agent. What is the number one must do on the checklist for the Pelicans this offseason?
1: Shooting, shooting, shooting. And I think right after that, it's even more shooting. All right. that's, that's the thing. you got to get some spacing on the floor. you got to get these guys to uh, to be in a position where they can, uh, you know, give, give Zion space to operate, give Brandon Ingram space to operate, both of these guys, right? Uh, it, it's, it's just a – it's very, very tight to me that, you know, where you'd obviously want to put some defense in there somewhere too, but I think the main priority to me – is getting some shooters on the floor to spread this
0: out. Andrew Lopez has been our guest at underscore Andrew underscore Lopez on Twitter, NBA reporter for ESPN, covers the Pels and the rest of the league. Appreciate the time, my friend, all the best. And uh, if we don't talk to you before the season ends, enjoy the off season when it comes a little later this year, but always appreciate your insight, man. We'll be reading your stuff. All right, man. Thank you. Thank you.